This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Next, we'll have the reading of today's scripture. Uh, please open up your Bible, or you can refer to the projection as I read for us Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth, the Christ. In him, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. This is God's words. Next, we'll have Pastor Andrew Wong to preach for us today. First of all, a very good morning to everyone. It's always a joy and privilege to gather with God's people, whether it's via Zoom or in person. Since we can't say to hi to each other, why don't we look around and just wave at each other a little bit? If you're at Zoom, you can also on your camera and just wave um, before we begin. It's good, it's good to see everyone, to wave and to feel connected and be reminded of God's church. Now, why don't we begin by asking God to help us as we dig into His Word. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you today as we gather. Thank you that we can truly praise you as the one who sustains and holds all things. Father, you are the one who has sustained us. And it is such a joy and privilege that we are still here, even today. It is because you have kept and preserved us for the week past, and we trust in you to preserve us in the days ahead. Father, we know many things have uh, passed through our minds and our lives in the past few days, and we pray, God, today as we gather right here, 
that you will help us to bring our minds focused upon your word, that your Holy Spirit will help us to understand, to believe, and to respond to you. Be with us this time as we open up Ephesians 1. We all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be great if you have your Bible with you, whether digital or physical, as we look at today's passage. <clears throat> now, yesterday we had two friends, two church friends, over at our house for dinner. So with six of us plus our kids surrounding the table, dining table, we decided to do one activity before digging in. We decided that we'll set our egg timer for three and a half minutes, and we are going to do a quick round the table, giving praise to God for anything. So the timer was set, and we started going around, and the things that we have praised God for includes giving us various good things, for being a provider for the Bible, for His faithfulness, His patience, His holiness, His Holy Spirit. We praise God for His love and for not giving up on us. And we quickly realized that the egg timer was very slow. And we start to become slower as we try to say more and more things. And we realize this, that if we have not been thinking about God or praising Him, and we are called to spontaneously praise Him, we find it harder than we think. Perhaps we need to do more of this often to ponder about who He is and to praise Him so that what we know of God is being verbalized and we know who we are praising. I wonder if you're at my home yesterday, what would you have said about praising God? Well, this morning we come to this letter by Paul, who floods his introduction with praises to God. Look at, look at the passage with me in verse 3, if you have your Bible. This is what it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Repeating again in verse 6, for the praise of His glorious grace. And again in verse 12, for the praise of His glory. And finally, Paul bookends the passage at the very end of verse 14 to the praise of God's glory. There is no doubt that today's passage is intended to evoke in God's people an awe and a praise of God's glory. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14 is the longest one sentence in the whole of the Bible. You know, if we had been cheeky or we want to feel the, the, the effect of it, I would have asked uh, um, Richmond before he comes up to say, you're going to take one deep breath and read from verse 3 to 14 without stopping. And when you reach praise of, to, to the praise of God's glory, you're going to emphasize it louder the way Paul would have wanted you. But I thought that would be too cruel for Richmond to do it. Uh, but perhaps for the young people, the youth, you might want to practice this, not now, but after service. If you could read from verse 3 to 14 in one shot, you let me know, and I'll buy you your favorite food at your favorite Caltech station next week. But don't do it now, okay? Because this is one long sentence. The full stop and comma are added to help us. Well, this morning as we come to this letter, we look at what Paul says. He wants to praise God for His glory. Now, there are so much things we can praise God for. But here, with only one sentence and one breath, Paul decided that he would praise God for everything that has eternal value and purpose. In this one long sentence, Paul actually summarizes 
and praises God for His cosmic plan that started from eternity past right into your human history and into the eternity forever. And the pinnacle of His cosmic plan uh, reaches at verse 10. Look at it. What is God's grand plan for everything? Verse 10, it tells us to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So here's the big idea for today's passage. God's grand cosmic eternal plan is to unite all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And what is amazing for us as we look at today's passage is that God actually has us in His mind in His grand cosmic plan. So there's one long sentence of praise as Paul summarizes the whole story of the Bible. So as you dive into this passage, it can be really hard to divide that one long sentence into many sections. But most of us will not be used to having just one point in one sentence that's 257 Greek words. So I've tried to roughly divide it into five praises surrounding the immense glory of God and magnitude of God. And if you, if you like structures, it's on the screen for us. Right in verse 3, there's an overarching praise for God for every spiritual blessing. And he moves on from verse 4 to verse 6 to praise God for choosing us before creation. Verses 7 to 8, to praise God for redeeming us through the Christ. And verses 9 to 10, to praise God for revealing His eternal plan to be fulfilled. And finally, in verses 11 to 14, praising God for sealing all who believe with his own spirit. So as you and I, we journey into this one long sentence, perhaps you'll see for yourself that God's cosmic plan amazingly stretches from eternity past and he stops right into our human history and then moves into eternity future to pick us up along the way in his grand plan. So look with me starting from verse 3. Verse 3, first of all, Paul begins verse 3, praising God who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, Christians may indeed praise God for all kinds of physical and temporal blessings. We might have said praises to God for them. We can praise God for health and wealth and comfort. We may praise God for work and play and rest. We may praise God for money and fame and sex or food and drinks and fresh air. We may praise God for family and friends and parents, or for some, marriages, children, grandchildren, nephews, nieces. There are all kinds of physically tangible things that we can praise God for. But with only one sentence, Paul chooses to praise God for blessings in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing. Well, now, if we want to praise God with Paul and his readers, there are perhaps two questions we need to ask right away in verse 3. And the first one is, where is this heavenly realms? And number two, what does it mean to have every spiritual blessing? Well, first of all, the phrase heavenly realms is not a common phrase at all in the Bible. But right here in Ephesians, there are five repeated mentions of the heavenly realms. We find the first mention right here in chapter 1, verse 3. 
later in chapter 1, verse 20, chapter 2, verse 6, chapter 3, verse 10, chapter, finally, chapter 6, verse 12. Now, this heavenly realms is the, spirit, is the sphere where God blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, chapter 1, verse 3. Later in chapter 1, verse 20, it tells us that after Christ resurrected from the dead, God seated Christ at his right hand in this heavenly realm. It is the realm where Christ is ruling. But not only Christ, Paul goes on to say that God also, in chapter 2, verse 6, seated us with Christ, with him in the heavenly realm in Christ. So in some amazing way, Christians, even right now, are positionally with Christ where he's ruling. It is in the heavenly realm. Now, Paul goes on later in chapter 3, verse 10, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. So in some amazing ways, the heavenly realms is where God made known his wisdom to all the spiritual powers. And when we come to the final chapter of Ephesians in chapter 6, verse 10, we see that actually, Christians, we are in a real spiritual warfare against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, we'll be thinking about the heavenly realms in greater details in the weeks to come, but just a quick glance at this phrase tells us the heavenly realm is not that imaginary world in the future where you'll be sitting in a cloud playing harp, eating cotton candy. It is not that kind of place. It is a very real realm right now. It's a real spiritual realm where the real battle happens, where the real power exists, where the real enemy fights, and where the real king rules in victory. And so it is in this heavenly realm that God has given Christians every spiritual blessing right now that we may have victory. When Paul speaks about every spiritual blessing in Christ, he is not referring to material blessings. There are common graves for everyone. There's temporal, earthly um, blessings. Uh, it could have been a common grace that God can give even to people who rebel against him. But here, the spiritual realm and every blessings there are of eternal and spiritual value and they cannot be received by the world alone. They must be received in Christ. So our real enemy, it seems, is not this earthly realm. It's not about just our poverty or our struggles or our needs. The real battle is found in the spiritual realm where the principalities will recognize who is in charge and who are God's people. So now if you want to ask further, all right, so that's the spiritual realm. But what exactly are these every spiritual blessing. Well, Paul's reply is found in his remaining part of this long sentence. Look at it with me. The spiritual blessing Christians have are this, that we have been chosen by God before creation. Verse 4, we are predestined by God. In verse 5, we are adopted as God's children. Verse 5, we are redeemed and forgiven of our sins. Verse 7, we are given the revelation of his plan. Verse 9, we are included in God's plan. Verse 11, we are marked 
by God's own Holy Spirit. Verse 13, and we will receive inheritance as God's own possession. Verse 14, the world cannot offer us any of these blessings. It is God alone who gives in Christ. Now, dear friends, it is really easy and shaky to just praise God for good things that we see tangibly because we are using our physical eyes. But we need to recognize that there are times that God may bless, as I mentioned earlier on, good stuff to people who hate God. But He may refrain from giving physical stuff to people who love God. So the praise on tangible stuff is a very dangerous and shaky approach. And Paul says we praise God for what is eternal and what is spiritual. May God help us to be like Paul, to recognize and so praise God for His real spiritual blessings for us. So now with this overview of God's blessing, Paul goes now to unpack God's eternal plan in three movements. This is how I put it in verses 4 to 6. His movement from choosing us before creation, verses 7 to 8, for saving us within history in Christ, and finally verses 9 to 10, for revealing to us His cosmic plan that goes into eternity. You catch the three movements? Okay, so look at the first movement with me from verses 4 to 6. Praise God, says verse 4. Look at verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. Now, here is a statement that you will never find in any other religious text or any ancient text in this whole world. This, the only place you can find this revelation is in Christianity and in the Bible. The revelation that God would choose us in eternity past, even before creation, even before Genesis 1 verse 1. He created the world, but before He did that, He has already chosen us. And you know what? This is the storyline of the whole Bible. Verse 4 tells us God has chosen and predestined a people even before anything was created to become His family through Jesus Christ. He will make a people to be His image barriers, to be holy and blameless, just like Him. Verse 4 tells us people are created not because God needs them, but because God is love. In love, we are chosen and predestined for adoption into sonship to be adopted into God's family to Jesus Christ. Now, this choosing, this predestination comes out of the sheer pleasure, the sheer will, the sheer grace of God. Paul says in verse 6 that everything is freely given to us in His eternal Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one God loves. Now, dear brothers and sisters, friends, what an amazing revelation that God knew and actually loved us before creation. He knew us before we were in our mother's womb. He chose us to be like Him. His desire for us to be holy and blameless is not because God is a joy killer or a hard master. He wants us to be holy and blameless because He wants us to be like Him and be His family. He is a loving Father who has planned from eternity to adopt us created beings 
in Jesus Christ. This is true for Christians. This is available to everyone who are willing to believe. That's where you find verse 13. Those who will hear the good news of salvation and believe. This is a great comfort for God's people that God chose us for Himself even before we knew our right hand from our left hand, before we can prove that we are sure rebellious sinners that He has already chosen us. What a great comfort to remember this true Christians on the days where we doubt our self-worth on the days where we feel rejected, on days where we grieve over our brokenness, on the days we are taunted by the devil to say, you are hopeless. And the Bible tells us if we are in Christ, God has chosen and loved us. What an amazing truth that you will find nowhere else but in the revelation of God's word. Remember this, if we are in Christ, it also means God has chosen us before we were even made. Now, even if a human parent, God forbid it happens, but even if a human parent in his or her anger says to the child, you are just an accident, the Bible tells us God never has accidental children. So if you are a Christian, we're never an accident. We are lovingly created, lovingly made, and God knew us. God said this to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5. He said this to the prophet. He says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And here in Ephesians 1, it tells us, Before God created the world, He has loved us and called us as His children. It is out of love before creation, not because we are good, but because God is good. May the Lord help us. And no wonder Paul bursts up in praise in verse 6 that God predestined us for adoption to Jesus Christ to the praise of His glory. But friends, you and I also know what happened right after creation. We know what happened and we feel it because life is not the way or perfect that we have hoped it to be, or feel that it should be. Here's the reality. Before creation, God has already given this cosmic plan to have his adopted children and his family. But Genesis 3 and the rest of the Bible tells us that we actually desire to be God's rather than God's children. Instead of God's image barrier, we want to be God's replacement. And this rebellious trait has continued generations after generations. Here's the sober reminder. The Bible tells us that we have given ourselves to sin to do things that would defy God. For all have sinned, says the Bible, and fall short of the glory of God. Now by nature and by choice, we are prone. We are prone to hurt anyone who threatens our Godship. You can be a good friend to me until you threaten my Godship and want to be God over me, and I will turn against you. Anyone who rules over us, we will turn away from them. Now, there's this English political philosopher by the name Thomas Hobbes. He once said this about the human condition. He said, the human condition is so terrible. He says, the human condition without a government 
capable of enforcing peace and stability to protect citizens from internal and external threats. Without that, there would be a perpetual war of all against all. In such a condition, life will be solitary, will be poor, will be nasty, will be brutish, and very short. That's why some people say having a bad government is better than having none. That is an honest evaluation of human condition. We are on a perpetual war against everyone else in order to be our own gods. We are on a perpetual war even against God himself because we want to decide what is right and wrong, what is good and bad for ourselves. We want to have that choice to decide for ourselves. Now, there was this allegorical novel by George Orwell called Animal Farm. Anybody has read Animal Farm? Okay, some people have. Okay. Um, it might be a literature book at some time. It's a great book to read. It was published in August 1945. And so this book tells the story of a group of farm animals who rebel against their irresponsible farmer. So these animals gather and they decide they will create a society for themselves where all animals are equal and free and happy. But if that's the introduction of a book, you know that it's not going to happen. Because right at the end of the book, they ended up in the same terrible state. The only difference this time is they are they're under the dictatorship of a pig called Napoleon. When they started off, they had this ideology that all animals are equal. But at the end of the story, the animal's motto had lengthened as all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Now, this novel was written with a certain political background in mind, but nevertheless, we do see this tendency in our human history, isn't it? Even as we wish that everyone is equal, some would turn out to be more equal than others. And we envy them because we want to be there as well. So left to ourselves, there's no end to our desire to be gods of our lives, and the process will step on others, including God, if we have to. The Bible tells us there's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. So by ourselves, there's no one who will rightly respond to God, who will rightly live perfectly before God, and who will be able to enter into God's kingdom by our own means. The Bible says impossible but many will try. And so, from an eternal perspective, it will be true to look at humanity from an eternal perspective that our lives are solitary, poor, and very, very, very short. Yet the amazing truth comes in here. That even human rebellion and the consequence of sin and death, this would not be able to stop God's cosmic plan. And so we read, look at it with me, verse 7, it says, In Him, in Christ Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So in the grace of God, in His great grace, He sent Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago to redeem us from sin and death. In fact, 2,000 years ago, this very Sunday, which today we call it Palm Sunday, Jesus entered into Jerusalem on a donkey. The people were praising Him like a king, Five days later, he was dead. 
And we will celebrate that or remember that in five days' time. So if you have not thought carefully about Easter or Good Friday, can I invite you, whether you're on Zoom or here, to come and join us right here at the same time on Friday because Pastor Andrew Ong will be unpacking a passage on that and also what Christ has to say about his own death. But we can sure be sure of one thing right now, right here into this passage, that that death is not an accident. It is not a tragedy. Because verse 7 tells us, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins in order that we can be forgiven of our rebellion, that we can be redeemed. Praise be to God for redeeming us through His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so with the arrival of Jesus into our human history, God finally made known His grand purpose. Verse 9, look at it, the mystery of His will which He purposed in Christ. But when Jesus appeared in our human history, God also reveals the pinnacle of His whole cosmic plan that is of eternal magnitude. And verse 10, that God will, look at it with me, verse 10, bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, while some people will argue, just now we mentioned, a bad government is better than having no government. God has a much better plan for us. God plans to give us a perfect, loving governor who was willing to die for us even when we spit at him. God sent his own son, our creator, to be that governor. The governor that is the one who loved us and made us and died for us and saved us to be with him. Like the best racing car, it should be found on a racing track and not in a car rank. Like the best plane, it should be swerving in the sky and not swimming in the sea. The best of God's creation, His image barrier, should be flourishing under the governor of the loving creator and not killing each other trying to be God's. That is God's cosmic plan from eternity to eternity and it will soon be fulfilled. So praise God. Praise be to Him for revealing this eternal plan in Christ that will soon be fulfilled. Now dear friends, some of us, some of us who wonder what is our purpose in life or do not care what is our purpose in life, for those of us who feel lost when you hear the noise of the world, or those of us who feel stuck in the red race, those of us who feel unmotivated, who are struggling with midlife crisis, or who no longer think about purpose in life, or those of us who have enjoyed great achievements and fear death because it brings away everything. This is a good news. Because God says He has planned before creation to adopt us to be His children for eternity. It means that anyone who is in Christ has such a grand purpose that we will never be in midlife crisis because midlife never comes. We'll not run out of a grand purpose but the grand, because the grand purpose is growing every single moment and is not going to shrink. It is a joy and that it's worth praising God to know that we have such a grand purpose 
that it is to get ready for that final day. Well, Christian, if you lost on some days, we, we all do feel that at times. Be reminded that our purpose is to prepare for that grand finale that is going to be there for us. So we come to this last phrase then in verses 11 to 14. I want to read these last few verses for us. Um, so if you have your Bible, look at it with me or at the screen. Let me read from verse 11. In Him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you, the readers, also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, as we come to these last few words of this very long sentence, Paul summarizes what we'll find as the storyline of our Bible. God, at the beginning, He had chosen. He had chosen Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and out of them come a people called Israel. And when the people of Israel came about, God gave them a relationship. God promised them a promise that is of magnitude that they will spread to the rest of the world. These people, Israel, by the time New Testament comes, they are called the Jews, and Paul was a Jew. He said, when Jesus came and he died and resurrected, and we saw, and we witnessed, and we believed in God's promise that it will come to fulfillment, we were included. And now we proclaim the gospel to you, the Gentiles, the Ephesians, the people around to us, who are not Jews, that if we hear this good news of salvation and we believe in it, and we accept Christ, that we too are being included into this grand plan that God has always had us in mind. Now, there's this illustration that comes to me often that people say, how do we know that God has chosen us? This is how you know. This is just an imagery, but you can follow me. It's, on the final day, you see this great sign that says, this is heaven comes in, and when you walk in and you look back, you have a permanent marker with your name there. You have been chosen. You and I, we may not know everything, but often now is for us that if we believe in Christ, we hear His message and we accept it, on that final day, you will find and realize that you had always been chosen and adopted and loved by God, that our names were known before our parents knew them, that our names were in blood behind the board of welcome by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The call is for us to believe because that is the offer that lasts only in a human timeline. And so the Church of Christ was born mixed with Jews and Gentiles as one united people and they, says Paul, will be marked by God's own promised Holy Spirit. Look at the last part. Now, what better blessings when faced with a spiritual war that we are marked and branded and sealed by God's own spirit in the spiritual realm where the battle are fierce, who affirms, who affirms all the spiritual blessings we have and our ownership is God himself. Now, verse 14 says that he himself is that deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption as God's possession to the praise of His glory. 
The next time you read your Revelation, you wonder, why are there praises again and again? Because that is a revealing of there's nothing else we can do but to be amazed at a God who had eternal cosmic plan and He bothers and cares to have us in it. As we close our time together now, can I invite us? This is a very special week. Today is Palm Sunday. Next few days we call them the Passion Week. Friday, Good Friday, Sunday is the Resurrection Sunday. Let us not be too rushed in life. But let us pause to see the magnitude of that one week 2,000 years ago. Because that one week is the middle point and the culmination of God's cosmic plan. And if we have understood and accepted that one week and that one day on Friday, we are included into God's cosmic plan. God has always planned for us. May the Lord help us in this coming week to praise Him and to give thanks for every spiritual blessings that we have right now in the heavenly realms. Let us pray together. Now I want us to take a moment by ourselves to pray and praise God. We can take a bit of work on that if we haven't been praising God. But I realized when we had a gathering yesterday, but just take a moment, take a moment to praise God. Later on, I'll close with an adapted prayer from the Puritan. But for now, let's pray by ourselves. Oh God, we praise you, our creator, preserver, benefactor, teacher, for opening to us the mystery of your cosmic plan that we may know you better and praise you for your glorious grace. You have today spread before us the fuller pages of Revelation and in them we see what you would have for us even now, what you have required of us, what you have done for us, what you have promised to us, what you have given to us in Christ Jesus. We pray, God, that you'll give us a conscious experience of Christ's salvation every day, of our deliverance from sin, of our bearing His image, for our enjoyment of His presence, for us being upheld by Your Holy Spirit when we are awake and when we are sleeping. Let us not live uncertain of who we are or where we are going, but rather bear witness with our spirit that we are Your children. Enable each believer to say, I know my Redeemer and I praise You. Bless us, Father, with a growing sense of this salvation. Give us a closer obedience in Christ that we may bring forth more fruits, have a deeper sense of our obligation and our willingness to surrender all to the governor, the king, who loved us enough to die for us. May we have a fuller joy that we may serve him more completely. And may our faith and life Lean totally on Him who died to save us and rose to lead us. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.